0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: We're not going to put any phosphorus or potassium fertilizer down. We're going to rely on how much the cover crops pull out of the soil profile to feed our cash crop.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's day X of quarantine because of COVID-19. I'm Delaney Howell, joined by Mike Pearson. Mike, you are not quarantined, though you are still working.
2: You bet. The folks here at Zaner Ag Hedge are working, working, working. We're still in the office, still taking care of customers around the country and across across the country and around the globe, I guess I should say. But, uh, you know, despite the the viruses and the virus, the virus I guess it's really only one we're worried about, um, it, work still needs to get done. At the end of the day, the markets are still trading. They're trading volatily, And, uh, you know, so we're here. We're here working with growers to make sure that we can manage some of this price risk and you know help sure sure that people are able to still make a living in this challenging year. Yes. It's like this is an extension of two thousand nineteen.
0: That's unfortunately what I was just thinking because I'm looking outside. It's really wet and rainy today here in central Iowa, and I know we talked to some growers across the u s. We talked to a Kansas grower that we're gonna have on the podcast tomorrow. They were getting some rain today. so uh, I don't know. I'm afraid it's gonna be another twenty nineteen repeated over again.
2: It's still early, though, Delaney. we got to stay hopeful. I know,
0: I know. It is. But planting is about a month away. And you can be damn right. sure that if it's dry and somewhat decently warm weather, the planter is going to roll.
2: Right. Oh, absolutely. Yep, we are going to put something in the ground that the American farmer does. And the Canadian farmer, I know we've got a number of Canadians that tune in as well. They are just as hardworking as their American counterparts. And I tell you what, they're also hardworking down in Brazil, Delaney, but... Their export pace for soybeans continues to slow. It was down 22% week over week. They were only able to get 1.9 million metric tons shipped, still a a very sizable amount of shipments, Um, but like I say, down from 2.45 million the first week of March. Um, This is happening while Brazil continues to harvest their record crop, or at least the Crop we all believe to be a record this year. And what's causing the problem is this rain. You talk about the wetness up here. It's wet down in Brazil. And um, that's what's slowing down all of these truckers as they try to make progress in getting these beans to the port.
0: Yeah, I've also got some other uh, Brazilian news, Mike. As we look at Brazil, they are considering... Actually, not considering. They have placed workers who work at Brazilian meatpacker Minerva South America on paid leave at four domestic plants to adjust production capacity because they said they just don't have the business now amid some new coronavirus panic. And so we have seen them cut beef packing plants, but they've said they have no plans as of yet to cut processors from pork and poultry processing plants.
2: Interesting. You know, it's one of those, must be a weird thing down in Brazil. Here, we're seeing all the meat continue to sell like crazy Mm -hmm. out of meat cases. And in fact, we're seeing the same thing happen in Great Britain. In fact, Britain's largest supermarkets, and so these are names that might ring a bell to folks who have traveled overseas. It's Tesco, Sainsbury's, and Asda have all come together, and they are limiting food purchases starting today, after basically all these stores were uh, mobbed yesterday and Monday. Um, as these people were like, shoot, you know, we're, uh, we're going to be trapped at home. We're going to have some food. In fact, one of the major grocery stores, I don't know which one this was, they said aisle after aisle was empty. The only things remaining were chocolate ice cream and Easter eggs.
0: Okay. Like, and so chocolate Easter eggs or yeah,
2: like, right. Yep. Chocolate Easter eggs. Exactly.
0: Interesting. I like chocolate Easter eggs. I will buy them.
2: I do too. Um, so, basically, Tesco has said they are going to close all meat, fish, deli counters, and salad bars. And um, let's see, what are some of the other changes these companies are looking at doing? Basically, all it says is they're restricting purchases, but I don't know by how much. Like, I don't know if they're letting you buy a mm. certain dollar or you know, right. pound amount of food, or if you can only get certain items. Maybe all lanes are express lanes with 15 mm. items or less. I'm not sure how they're doing it. But they have been hit and uh, apparently shopped out at these grocery stores over
0: there yeah well i mean i think the concern is definitely real from a u.s perspective as well and we've seen the u.s department of agriculture is trying to reassure people that slaughterhouses will be kept staffed and will keep running they won't have a shutdown as of yet but the the other thing to consider here, I guess, is not only do we need workers in these slaughter facilities, but we also need inspectors. And so as we continue to see components of the government shut down, USDA is one of those, you know, components that potentially could shut down. Then we could see meat inspectors potentially not want to go to work, which would slow down any sort of processing and slaughtering facilities. So that is another concern, I guess, that folks are keeping an eye on.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. So I heard, you know, all of the, uh, the horror stories here around Chicago of grocery stores being shopped out of, of most goods, toilet paper and meat and bread and all this stuff. And I'm a bachelor nowadays, so I don't get to the grocery store as often as I should. Most of my grocery shopping happens on dominoes.com. <laughs> but I did make it over across the park to my local grocery store, and I was su- pleasantly surprised. Really, the only thing that we were out of out of was all paper products. I'm guessing people mm-hmm. bought up the toilet paper first, and then they went for paper towels. Now yeah. they're snapping up napkins as they anticipate, uh, you know, longer-term stays at home. But I don't think this virus causes any of those
0: no. digestive
2: issues. I think it's all, you know, lung. It's all
0: psychology, the psychology of it.
2: Right, right. I'm sure I can hop on Amazon right now and yeah. buy some ordered up toilet paper at absurd rates. I'm just going to, you know, rely on the TP and tell them out, and then it's paper towel, and then, you know, I got some or napkins stocked up from, from fast food places.
0: Yeah, there you go.
2: It's also got a little grease on it, you know, it helps Oh, it.
0: lovely, lovely.
2: <laughs> no, so speaking of grease, though, Delaney, oil prices plunged again today. U.S. crude futures hit an 18-year low today. Basically, these uh, traders are looking out at the streets. The streets of Chicago have tweeted a few pictures. They are empty. I ride the bus on rush hour every day. Usually I'm fighting for a place to stand. Today it was me and one other guy and the driver. That was it mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock in the morning on the bus to downtown Chicago. Well, that's not great for crude oil prices. It's also not great for ethanol demand. So we're continuing to see some, some scares circulating about the ethanol industry, about the potential risks that could come from this virus really disrupting um, travel plans.
0: Yeah, and to follow up on the oil uh, news, I suppose you could say, Goldman Sachs has slashed their price forecast for second quarter Brent crude oil by a third, and they're now saying it's going to be about $20 a barrel is what we're expecting to see on average the second quarter trading prices to be. They're also predicting global demand will drop a record 1.1 million barrels per day as we continue to see people just not getting out there and doing any driving or traveling.
2: Absolutely. It is going to have far-reaching effects, and the follow-on effects of that kind of economic slowdown, I think, are going to be fairly massive, even if this virus thing ends up not being that much of an issue.
0: Agreed. But changing tracks just a little bit here, there are two big lawsuits that have recently made some news, and I think our listeners would definitely like to be aware of at least one of these. One of them is positive for agriculture; the other one, not so much. The not so much, not so much one is a draft settlement of lawsuits tying the connection between Roundup Ready exposure and cancer that Bayer and their lawyers have been working diligently to fight. This lawsuit has represented tens of thousands of plaintiffs. And we saw here just about five days ago, not quite, we saw the Wall Street Journal reported that there will be a settlement. It appears there will be a settlement. We don't know yet how much that settlement will be. They're guessing, speculation, is about in the $10 billion range. So folks in that, tens of thousands of plaintiffs in that lawsuit will be getting a payout soon. The other good news for agriculture, well, not really good news, I guess, unless you were banking on this paycheck as part of your marketing plan, and I hope you sure were not. But after years of litigation between the U.S. and Syngenta, we are finally expected to see those first settlement payments for farmers from that Syngenta corn class action lawsuit are expected to be sent out sometime this week.
2: Oh, man. And
0: they are saying a majority of farmers can expect total payments exceeding $5,000. And of course, that's based on how many acres you planted and bushels and production and whatnot. But we uh, should see... Pretty good payouts, I guess, from that. And, of course, that's going back to the AgriSure viptira trial cases and the AgriSure duracade corn traits.
2: You bet. You bet. So, hey, listeners, if you're getting a surprise $5,000 check in the mail <laughs> and you just don't quite know what to do with it, keep your old podcasting friends in mind. Yeah. We will take cash or check.
0: We'll take donations to continue podcasting through these desolate oh. times.
2: Absolutely. I mean, we're out here providing the news. Delaney, doing the work. You know, listeners, you know, we're going to go fund me started. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, Delaney, I am all out of news outside of the commodity markets. What do you say? Should we jump in and see where prices close for the day?
0: I think we should, Mike.
2: All right, folks. We had a volatile day in the markets. We had a ten cent range in corn to finish the day. The May contract closed eight and a quarter cents lower at three thirty-five and three quarters. December new crop down four and a half to finish at three fifty-eight even. Soybeans up on the day. The May contract was up a penny at eight twenty-five and a quarter. November new crop up a quarter cent, finishing at eight forty-three even. Chicago wheat big mover to the upside today. The May contract was up nine cents, closing at five oh eight and a quarter. December also up nine, finishing the day at five twenty-five even. Livestock were crazy volatile today. Remember, in live cattle, most of our contracts were trading expanded limits since we were limit moved yesterday, and they used them first to start the morning. They used them to the upside. We were limit up in several of the front month cattle contracts, and then completely fell apart as the Dow Jones Industrial Average sold off throughout the day. To wrap, April, li- April live cattle down four dollars twenty five cents, finishing at ninety two ten. June down three eighty two fifty to close at eighty five ninety two and a half. Over in feeder cattle, similar story. Those moves weren't nearly as volatile today. The April contract was down a dollar twenty five at one hundred nine sixty two half. The May down three dollars thirty two and a half cents to finish at one hundred eight fifty two fifty. And pork, we did see volatility here again today. Again, we were almost limit up to start the day, and then we closed. Well, would have been over limit, or we did close over the regular limits to the downside in several contracts. The April contract, however, was only down thirty two and a half cents at fifty eight fifteen. May down three dollars ninety seven and a half cents, closing at fifty eight seventy. Looking over at the dairy markets, class three milk march contract down a penny at sixteen thirty two with the April down thirty two cents on the day, wrapping things up at fifteen sixty seven. Delady, why don't you tell us who we're talking to for today's interview?
0: Well, Mike, I'm quite tired of talking about COVID-19, so we're trying to look ahead at spring planting, even though it could be a wet one this year. Chatting today with Fred Ables, a farmer in northeast Iowa, about what's coming up for his growing season here in Hashtag Plant 2020. Well, we've been focusing a lot of time and energy and so has mainstream media on chatting about the coronavirus, but we've got to look ahead because Planting 2020 is right around the corner. We're chatting today with Fred Abels, a farmer from Holland, Iowa. Fred, how are you doing today? Good. Good. Well, we're so happy to have you on the podcast. We've been focusing so much time and energy. I, for one, I don't know about you, I'm very tired of talking about the coronavirus and ready to talk about what's next this year, which is planting season. Fred, tell us before we chat planting for this year, tell us a little bit about your operation.
1: We farm uh, 400 acres in Grundy County, and it's roughly split 50-50 with corn and soybeans. And we're also this spring trying going to try and grow our own cereal rye for seed. So we've got 12 acres of that. So this that's going to be my learning experience.
0: <laughs> well, it's good to uh, try something new on the operation. Tell us a little bit more about the decision to plant cereal rye seed. Was it because you felt like you needed to diversify your operation? Or what was your thought process behind that?
1: Um, I was hoping that to cheapen up the price of the rye for myself, I, I kind of thought maybe I could grow it cheaper, and I, I'm able to buy it. So we'll find that find out this summer on that if I if I made the right decision or not. That and uh, um, it'll give us a place to spread some manure later this summer, and also I'm gonna. Uh, after we get the manure spread, put a multi-species cover crop in and see if we can enhance uh, soil health of that field.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so with the cereal rye, are you going to be? You said using that as a feed, or are you going to be just using it as a cover crop this year? What are your plans with that rye?
1: Um, we'll be. We're 100% cover crop. So, in the fall. So, I'll be using it for seed to seed the rest of our acres.
0: Okay, and... Down and,
1: with cereal rye.
0: And where have you previously gotten your cereal rye seed from?
1: Um, Nutrien in Rhinebeck.
0: Gotcha. So this year, you're just trying to make it a little more self-sufficient or full circle, it sounds like?
1: That and uh, we're exiting the cattle business, and I've got a couple buildings, cattle buildings, to clean out. And it's going to give me a place to put the manure this summer rather than trying to get it done this spring or next fall. So kind of helps spread the labor load out.
0: Absolutely, Fred. As you look at this growing season, last year was obviously a really, really tough year. And a lot of farmers I talked to said this was the worst. Last year was the worst year that they'd ever had in the history of their farming career. I mean, what are you what are you doing this year to plan ahead in hopes that we don't see another wet? What year? Which obviously we can't control. That's Mother Nature's uh, burden to take care of. But uh, are you doing anything different besides just diversifying the operation this year in in preparation for that?
1: Um, Last year we added after the grow after planting we added uh, um, starter fertilizer on the planter to so in case this spring turns out like last spring we'll be applying part of our fertilizer program on with the planter. Also, last week, uh, I purchased a 10 or 15 foot no-till drill that we're going to use on soybeans and this fall for, um, seeding our cereal rye. Yeah.
0: So, so you're going to be drilling in the rye then instead?
1: Yes, yeah, so previously I used a John Deere drill, and, but it only had the single-disc openers, where, and it was always, I was always kind of suspect of how good a job it was actually doing the seating. Um, the no-tail drill we purchased has double-disc openers and followed by seat-packing wheels, so I'll f- feel a little bit better about getting good seed-to-soil contact with the drill.
0: Huh, okay, gotcha. And how did you come to that decision to uh, to try drilling instead?
1: Uh, um, I've been to quite a few Practical Farmers of Iowa meetings. Um, two weeks ago, I went to Springfield, Illinois for the Practical Farmers of Iowa-sponsored Small Grains Conference and listened to quite a few speakers. Um, One farmer that got up and spoke farmed, I think, 6,000 acres organically, no-till. And I listened to some of his thoughts and decided I'd give some of that a try on our farm.
0: Wow, 6,000 acres organically would be a lot of work.
1: Oh, I can't imagine <laughs> that, but he's, he's figured out a system where he can use no-till. So, hmm. uh, no-till and then the use of cover crops to delay the weeds. So huh,
0: That's very interesting. Very, uh, very ingen- ingenuous, I'm sure. Yep. So, Fred, as you look at this year, besides some of the new things that you're trying on your operation, Oh, commodity prices haven't been uh doing the best lately we've seen similar wet weather this year do you haven't is there anything that we can be positive about here for uh plant plant season 2020
1: we have plenty of soil moisture
0: <laughs> that is very true no lack of that that's for sure is there anything um, that uh that has you fired up about the future of agriculture
1: I think cover crops are going to start playing a, a more of a role. Um, this spring, I'm planning to... We're not going to put any phosphorus or potassium fertilizer down. We're going to rely on how much the cover crops pull out of the soil profile to feed our cash crop. So that's something I'm hoping or figuring on cutting expenses that way and on the weed control side I'm also hoping my cover crops uh, um, reduce it one so- or one herbicide pass this coming summer
0: yeah cover crops can do some pretty amazing things if they're uh, utilized on operation so it's been Interesting, especially in the state of Iowa, you mentioned the Practical Farmers of Iowa there, the group that's really been spearheading this project. It's been really cool to see cover crop spreading across the state of Iowa.
1: I've been using cover crops. This will be my 11th year with with using them. We switched, I want to say, five years ago to um, now we do it. 100% on all of our acres.
0: Very neat. So I guess final question for you, Fred, since you're kind of a, we'll call you an expert cover crop or a veteran cover crop user, what advice do you have for farmers looking to start utilizing cover crops on their operations?
1: Start small and keep after it. Um, The first four years I use cover crops, Compared to now, I was a complete failure, but I kept after it, and now I'm quite happy with how it's turned
0: out. Fantastic. Keep after it. I like that. Fred, thank you so much for joining today. Okay. Well, again, a big thank you there to Fred fred we're gonna talk with another great producer who's doing some interesting things to diversify his operation on tomorrow's episode so be sure and catch that one as well but mike we're trying to cover some great topics here amidst all of these pandemic crisis concerns so folks if you would like to share your thoughts maybe be a guest on the ag news daily podcast reach out to us on facebook twitter or instagram at Agnews daily
2: Absolutely. And, of course, you can visit us on the website at agnewsdaily.com. You can listen to all of our past episodes and get caught up on what the other podcasters in the Global Ag Network are working on. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go?
0: Let's let them go.